Greetings, future fossils. This is Michael Garfield welcoming you to another episode of the podcast that explores our place in time. One of the most interesting works of science fiction I have ever read, Olaf Stapledon's Last and First Men and the Star Maker, a radium age diptych that went on to inspire minds like Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov, even H.P. Lovecraft is a kind of speculative deep space trip from the 1930s in which the reader is progressively zoomed out into wider and wider arenas of consciousness and activity. And I am not surprised that this highly influential visionary work of science fiction is what ultimately linked me up with David Bronner, the cosmic engagement officer for Dr. Bronner's Soap Company. The grandson of Dr. Emmanuel Bronner, David seems to me like he is living in perfect alignment with the legacy left in his hands, using the resources and the influence of his international brand to effect positive impact on the world at large. I suppose that it should come as no surprise to anyone who's read the label on a bottle of Dr. Bronner's soap that this is a family and an enterprise concerned primarily with the healing and benefit of the human species. But I was nonetheless totally surprised and delighted to realize what a clever and insightful person David is when I had the opportunity to talk with him on a MAPS Psychedelic Science Benefit Bay Cruise I played music on last April. I had just been talking to my scientific mentor and future fossils guest, Dr. Bruce Damer about his research on the origins of life on the so-called progenote, that prototypical organic goo that preceded the first living cell. Bruce and company's radical research indicates that life began in a warm, shallow pond as layers of lipids and other organic material deposited, dried out, Rewet, dried out again, and left what was essentially a foamy soap scum as the vehicle and medium of what would become all life on Earth. So I thought that David would get a kick out of learning that the latest science suggests that we are, in fact, not only all one, as it says on his bottles, but that life indeed began in soap. And thus began the first of several conversations that we've had, and every one of them inspires me more. I know that I've been doing lots of episodes lately on trauma and healing and the power of psychedelic plant medicines. Well, folks, here's one more, because this is the time we are living in. And as this show is dedicated to the greater human arc... The vast landscape of time and our migration cross it, I would be remiss if I did not include the stories David Bronner has for us today on his family's legacy of restorative and healing work, as well as some of his own personal accounts of social action, foam-inspired transformation, and psychedelic healing. But first, I'd like to take a moment to thank each of the new Patreon supporters this month, Kieran Murahi, Rennie Bott, Maya Huffman, and Barbara Martins. Thank you all so much. 
for joining the exclusive inner circle. Still fewer than 100 people that have access to new and exclusive episodes, some unreleased material, subscriber-only musical releases. And as soon as I hit one round hundred Patreon supporters, I will also get to crack in on my long-promised psychedelic coloring book for all of you, which is actually nearly halfway done already. I've also got a lot of awesome episodes en route this spring, and some of those will be available to Patreon supporters early. So if you enjoy this show and you would like to help me keep it going, roll on over to Patreon. Even if you do not have a dollar to your name, there's plenty of free stuff there for you anyway. A token of my gratitude for listening to Future Fossils. I'd also like to thank all 57 of you who have rated and reviewed this show on Apple Podcasts. If you think this world's better off with future fossils than it is without it, your reviews help turn on strangers to the show. New people that could one day be significant to you. Who knows? Or may already be in that weird six degrees of Kevin Bacon way where all of us are intimately interwoven unbeknownst to us. I've watched a slow but steady uptick in the downloads of this show and know that it's because of your reviews, your sharing it with friends. I thank you deeply on behalf of everyone who wouldn't have discovered it without you. Now everyone get comfortable. Give it up for David Bronner, CEO of Dr. Bronner's Soaps and model of right livelihood for business people everywhere. Enjoy. Dude, it's so great to finally have you on the show. I know we've been playing phone tag about this for months at this point. Yeah, no, definitely, man. Really appreciate our connection and going deep on Stapleton and all, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So just for folks, that's Olaf Stapleton, the early 20th century science fiction author whose works Last and First Men and The Star Maker, David and I connected over on the uh, the map's uh, psychedelic science bay cruise back in april i was i was tickled to find out that you are a sci-fi aficionado and that you i should have known that you have a uh, like a preference for sweeping cosmic visions of unifying yeah. consciousness but yeah no for sure man and it actually bonded initially over uh, origin of life uh you know, kind of, and then, you know, and that led, you know, just the different uh, theories and, you know, metabolism first or, or, or DNA or RNA first. And then, you know, just the, all the different cool knowledge and insights that's, that's coming up. But then, of course, like, all oh, that's awesome, but where are we going? And, uh, you know, and uh, stapled in mind in the cosmos, like, what is, you know, life and mind and soul and spirit and who's bigger than stapled in? And it was so sweet to, to bond and write so just like the future history of humanity over the course of five billion years pretty dope yeah as somebody who has the education and the resources and the skin in the game uh, you're somebody that i see implementing this stuff in your life which i find really fascinating because when i go off on a tear with my dad who's a very practical business oriented dude 
about the cosmic vision and how that orients all of my activity in this life, you know, and, and my, you know, my sense of activism and the way that I participate in it and, and all of that. And like how that overview uh, informs our daily lives. It's, I feel like it's lost on a lot of people. Like it's like, it's somewhat hard to reconcile the like, Tire dish Chardin vision level stuff with like, what am I going to do today? And you're somebody that clearly gives uh, an enormous amount of thought to that. So I'd love to hear how you, you feel like those reconcile or integrate in your world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's funny, you know, in, in a way, like my granddad versus my dad, I mean, my granddad was all about the all one, you know, spaceship earth, you know, planetariums are the future temples of humanity. And if we all like can, you know, witness the majesty of creation and how vanishingly insignificant and small we are, that our div- divisions are, you know, like to realize our transcendent unity across religious and ethnic divides, you know, in in you know, unite the spaceship earth, lightning like. So that was my granddad's whole mission and vision. But kind of lost touch with, uh, and in some ways, is a me a family responsibility of being a responsible father. And you know, my dad, you know, not to save the world. I mean, but coming from a lot of tragedy himself. I mean, the ovens of the Holocaust behind him that claimed his parents, and and uh, his wife, my dad's mom, died when my dad was two, and just just a lot of stuff. But my dad came up in a series of foster homes. You know, my granddad would check in um, and financially supported him. But my dad, you know, coming up with my dad, who oversaw the bulk soap production of Bronner's, but really had a difficult relationship with my granddad um, for most of his life, although later they reconciled. And my dad did a lot of work. And my granddad chilled out. And, but my dad wanted nothing to do with that cosmic vision, wanted nothing to do with all one, you know, that's, you know, and but it was just the most moral, you know, upright dude, like just taking care of his family, us, making this incredible home just in his community, just doing like not for no reason other than it's the right thing and just so righteous. So I feel like just really blending the two and understanding like that escape is like that the cosmic vision can be an escape, but at the same time, I am the cosmic engagement officer and I do value and think that it is, you know, my granddad was was fucking 100% correct. And that, you know, it's about the one love, the all one vision and, um, you know, just incarnating that in our everyday life of absurdity and suffering and fun and and trying to make it more fun and more light and more sweet and more awesome in this galactic sector of the cosmos. But, uh, and actually that not my aboga trip was a lot about my dad and and my granddad. When did did that happen? When were you, I think the last time we spoke, you had just gotten back from that. That was, yeah. Um, that was, wow. You know, I mean, I mean, I have a friend who, was uh you know it was, it was like okay like this could be really helpful for you but guess what it's gonna be really helpful for me because i'm gonna go with you and who's helping who and you know anyways it was amazing and uh you know just soul mind-blowing uh heart opening very grueling awesome and incredible but so yeah i mean it's like the well i don't know where to start it was a lot but 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 on the tip of, of state of of the therapist shaman and was were the few of them, but one of them was in the Weichel tradition, and the Weichel tribe has kind of been carrying the peyote ceremonies for you know ten thousand plus years. And there's a Weichel bracelet that I got gifted, even though we were working with with Iboga. It was like you know like a lot of the Weichel kind of knowledge and traditions, and really helpful and really. But then also within Iboga, like a lot. I mean, 
just um, like like we had a really good sweat the night before to repair and kind of calling in the ancestors and being you know checking in with relations and checking in with my dad and my granddad in particular. So in the in the experience itself was what you kind of will read about like that kind of karmic judgment day life review deal. I mean that's that went down and like all these episodes of your life you know like where you kind of fucked up or oblivious or just people were hurt and whatever you're just like you know just rapidly going through it and, and understanding exactly how that went you know and like a fucking 360 view and feeling it and just like kind of moving through stuff but then like checking in with people family friends and their laughter and their smiles and honoring them and their light and yeah and then especially with my dad it was just massive it was just a massive experience of like appreciating him and 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 just remembering him and he, he died my granddad died in 97 my dad died in 98 and but just all his joy and and achievement in life and just really uh appreciating and understanding like what he did has made possible everything we're doing and has inspired everything we're doing and he didn't have a role model like I have, which is him and his power animal is an eagle. And we have this crazy fire truck that blasts foam, which he, you know, he did so many amazing things, but one of them was develop firefighting foam that's used in structure and forest fires uh, today. Um, but he developed for Hollywood, the forest service when they're testing it to make sure it didn't kill them, you know, like the plants and animals. It, it, my, my dad's like, wow, it's like a blizzard hit this forest, which is part of why you use firefighting foam instead of water is you can actually see where you drop the foam in a very low visibility situation. It also wets out water, lower surface tension. It keeps it on vertical surfaces, and it's a lot of and, and, and insulates against radiant heat. But it looks like snow. So I grew up on blasting foam in commercial sets and movie sets, and and, and I grew up in the LA area, and and but also just like blasting foam everywhere. You know, and my dad was awesome. We go do like the old folks' home and the deaf kid school, and um, just such joy he, with with his phone just growing up with it having it in my front yard the friends just come over hey we're gonna blast phone each other with an inch and a half fire hose and, and just every just just like an example of how awesome he was and like just really appreciating connecting with him and just you know going moving to regrets about things like he died when i was 25 i just turned and you know just wasn't where i'm at now and just kind of you know regretting how i wasn't showing up for him as in whatever ways, but then also like, Hey, don't worry. And, and right now I am like totally appreciating his magnitude. And, and so it was like getting a lot of time. I mean, it was like, just like super fucking downloads of, of all kinds, like just like high level, like fucking like, okay, here's read the karmic program. Okay. You know, and just like high level, like dense visual imagery, like communicating and, you know, just like, Whoa, you know, you know, like feeling like other dimensional, like, presences and just kind of intersecting and but then so like one vision of my dad was was him like kind of in soccer because he coaches in soccer we always played on the eagles and just had some incredible experiences with him playing soccer growing up and you know he didn't even play soccer in his life and just became super coach and, and um but at one point there's like this picture of him flashes by and like i'm in our old home and, I, and, I'm, and I'm checking out the Time Life World War II series that he had. So he's a World War II buff. And and then, like, this image of him kind of coming by, like, kind of this ecstatic expression on his face, like, you know, charged, like, hi, like, laughing. And it's just, like, 
and it kind of flashes by and then the spirit world like okay like you know you're missing a lot growing this one back bam and it's my dad um with juxtaposed with the with the world war ii time life totally ecstatic star bursts on his shoulder then like you know like just pay attention your, your dad is a favorite son of like the cosmos you know like you know i don't know on what level but just like you know fucking pay attention to how dope he is and like and, and just experience a lot like he was born and like he did have this conversion experience and the impact in a very fundamentalist way but really understanding it as 100 percent pure he fucking won 100 percent pure grace like he got it and like a seeker like his dad before him and just and then like a, a, a like a like a red like goddess like fairy lady like kind of like as i'm like entering deeper into this from his heart like shoots an arrow like a cupid bow just boom four hearts on it and it's like dude stay in there because i'm also getting a little weirded out now because it's now it's like my dad but now it's mom, <laughs> right and i'm like dude just get the arrow and like get the tip and it's the most beautiful golden light like love but then i'm kind of like this anxiety like fucking energy like cancels or whatever and i just spin out like dude you just fucking flailed on the most epic scale or whatever it took me a while to like get back but anyways got the tip as my buddy patrick was able to affirm for me which i gave him this huge hug because i realized he was like my dad he's like a life artist really appreciate my dad as like a life artist and and conveying that to, to my buddy. Then the World War II, like the juxtaposition of joy and fucking, you know, coming off the trauma, generational trauma of the war, juxtaposed, you know, like good and evil and, and just this, the, like, but just this joy, like, dude, this is it. Like something about like the Phoenix fucking being born, which is like on our fire truck in my dad's honor. It's like got this huge, beautiful Phoenix that we go around blasting foam on people. And but just realizing him as the phoenix and 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 as like the so huge and I've had other downloads on that tip but this it was just really direct and magnificent and yeah there's deeper deals and just feeling like like only us can really honor our fathers and our mothers and our ancestors like we're God we're we're in position to fucking see like only us like that part of God or that part of reality. And like just feeling like, oh, when I see it, it's like some like sweetness, like, oh, click, boom, that's in the Akashic record. Like all these sweet moments like you experience, you know, like kind of being taken in, into the, the books, you know, there's this feeling like my dad and me and then my granddad and, we'll, and the trauma and like, you know, like the generic, I'm, you know, here to honor, like the generation honors the prior generation kind of going back and like something essential about that going on and um but then on my granddad's tip and it was also a very christian kind of experience like just like not in a literal fundamentalist way but like kind of super mystical tile art style and sable and funny like this all like was like ridiculous like on this tip but like that the one and the many and that like fucking like the sun is the creation is life the, the light made flesh and all the worlds and all the stars, like all the life, all generations rising and falling, you know, dying and, and being reborn and suffering and living and laughing and dying. And that all is on the cross and all is like, you know, all these worlds. And so that's the whole state of Adonia and Tylehard, like, whoosh, you know, and, and it was just, and then I remember at one point, like I'm on earth, like I'm kind of check like earth and like all the life artists and activists against the machine, like, you know, struggling, we're trying to fucking do it, come on, and like tapping into the other worldly presences or like, you know, come on, this planet's on the cusp, kind of like in Stapleton's Mad World kind of 
the Madden world is like, can we like influence them and get them to like, you know, not fucking implode? And yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> and then at a certain point, my grand is holding position over here, smiling, and I'm like, just like, you know, certain point, like fucking peace on earth breaks out, like just kind of this golden light, like like shines and so there's yeah. so, there's so much in here but i want to point to a couple of things one is that the past is alive now and i feel like that's that's something that's so more obvious now where you've got your entire like facebook timeline and your google search history and all that stuff is following us around you know in a way that like I, you're only a couple of years older than me i think and like we're both within the cohort of people that remember people talking about th- stuff going on your permanent record before the web and like this thought that somewhere there's a file drawer with all this shit in but it's like but now we know this now we know that we're carrying this history or this data collection that we've created around and also that it's n- about so much more than just the inherited genetics that there's that trauma gets passed down too in markers on the DNA. And so I feel like, you know, when you hearing about this stuff and I'm not the best in the best position to talk about the science of this. Uh, but I know that there are research papers out there on how entheogen experiences do change us epigenetically and that the scientific research at maps and stuff like this that gets into using psychedelics to heal trauma that a part of this seems to be that it actually does work on us at a molecular level where the inherited trauma of being a grandchild of the holocaust or whatever is 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 actually that there's a there's an external there's an actual material component to that and it's not it's not merely like internal and psychological and i just get this image listening to what you're talking about that that in order to work in the world it's almost like a principle of magic that you start in the middle and like you heal yourself you heal your family relations because like all of us are walking around under this this the burden of all of this accumulated stuff that we've inherited all of the trauma all of the grief that has been unprocessed by pre- the previous organisms in our in our lineage and it's yeah. still hanging in there and that if we really want to fulfill that vision it's like we got to start in the middle and heal from the middle out yeah, it's generational trauma. It's fucking the demons ricocheting down the generations, and especially that male aggression. You know, like the coming down and just radiating out, and and like just being able to fucking process and exercise that in our own souls, right? And and all that plant medicine work again. And that was a big part too, like the Weichel and like the, like, you know, these plant medicine traditions, like this work that we need to do. All of us need to do, but these sacred traditions and like that have almost been exterminated. Like have the power to heal us and save us and you know work that trauma out i didn't get to do it this year but i i had some friends that went and did the the foam experience at at your burning man camp and like just so people understand like i feel like even as just a work of performance art this is really powerful but the i you know the the way it was like people are led through this shoot into a, a like a freight car, like they're being led into the gas chambers and they're being explained this, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, and, and then and instead of gas coming out, it's, it's soap foam and everybody gets a bath and it's this, 
you know, it's, I mean, I see it in terms of like the research on post-traumatic stress disorder, how they lead individuals back into the, tr- the memory of the trauma, like where it started. And then they show them that it's safe. And then that memory is reconsolidated. And so they're able to go through their lives having lived through this thing without it being totally intolerable. And it, it seems yeah. like that foam experience at Burning Man is working on us culturally in the same way that like MDMA works on individuals yes. in therapy setting. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know, you speak to that. Yeah, man. Well, dude, the foam already is kind of an avatar of psychedelics. You know, it's like you bust foam on the world, it just transforms it, you know, and, 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 you know, so, but it's, um, to your point. So I don't know if it was this, was it this year or was it last year that your buddy? It was this year. Yeah. This year, dude, see, this is amazing. Okay. So last year that, that really came to a head. So yeah, I mean, just really the organic history here is, you know, my got Dr. Brown soap, my dad developed firefighting foam. We, like when my dad and my granddad my granddad and my dad died quick success we had to get rid of the foam and just concentrate on the soap business and then like 10 years later i was like going through a lot of my life and just really appreciate my dad like i was like pop how do you fucking do it you know like raising a family and a company you know like and then like built you know just remembering the joy of foam and built like uh one of the foam machines one of the that you designed late in life and brought it to the burn this is like 2009 and like was just clearing out blocks you know i mean like just people were just like what and you know and then we did the like cardinal sin we violated prime directive like had like an acre foot of like turquoise body paint water on the playa like but we're just like <laughs> we're bringing this water you know like just this is you know, i'm like okay this year this happens next year we gotta fucking figure out the great water so then we first we built a big bathtub like a, that people we can pack people into and blast foam and then has like a thousand gallon uh, tank on the bottom. And then we, that went to the sexy plexis. So the sexy plexis are what you're talking about that two, two eight by 20 trailers and then, and you know, we just kind of like people come into the foam chamber you know, of, of joy and celebration, pack them in, get them like, just really hyped up and then plum, you get hit with the foam and it's, and it's this beautiful, ecstatic, right? And ritual. So that's my personal association only, right? Or, or I mean, just coming up, that's just what it is. But then we had, and I've kind of heard a couple of times, like like that association of the, of the gas chambers and like Auschwitz and, you know, and having really thought like, it was like, oh, you know, a couple of random people kind of like, having that association like oh the nazis would give you a towel and soap and then oh here's your you know that was their trick to keep everyone calm right before gassing them and then this lady wrote this incredible creative nonfiction essay called cypher and then cypher is german for soap and it's a play on safe and not feeling safe and how unsafe this experience was for her like three years ago so so she had this like very intense traumatic experience in the phone like just exactly as you said like just completely generational trauma like holy what the fuck you know Bronner's thinking you know and so she's like this incredible essay like engaging with my granddad and and with us and reaches out to to I think my brother initially and then to me and her name's Allie and we just had this really deep connection I'm like holy shit well here's my story about all that and whoa but then just starting to talk to people like my Jewish friends and anybody from Europe, they're like, oh, yeah, dude, totally had that association. But like, you know, it's like fucking love's answer to all that. And like, but realizing that some people do get stuck and it's not a fucking good experience at all. It's fucking terrible. 
So um, really processing through it with her is like, okay, well, how do we acknowledge this dimension without triggering it, you know, in people who's not having it? So, and then that was the year, this is two years ago, that we did Reformation. And we always put foam in our camp name. We changed our name. So we were the Reformation. And we did this whole kind of Demeter Persephone regenerative agriculture, regenerating agriculture and regenerating culture of psychedelics and linking the Demeter Persephone, you know, Persephone's goddess of agriculture, but also the Kaikion, the drink, the mystic, the initiates drink, which was, a, you know, based in natural LSD that Hoffman was in on. And there's still a lot of Hoffman downloads. And like, you know, as you get in line, we can kind of have you like for an hour to download on you. So we're just downloading all those Albert Hoffman and regenerative organic agriculture and stuff. It's a adaptive audience, like, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. My granddad had it, he, like you know put it, his message on the bottle. You forgot your magazine in the bathroom, but now we got you in our line of the phone. So, so yeah, so that year too, coincidentally, I'd gone back to Germany, and we actually go quite a bit, and we actually have our own company. We launched in 2008 in Germany and Israel, which is our 60th anniversary. And like the Nazis, our factory was Aryanized in southern Germany in '40, and our my great grandparents were degassed in '42. And I went to visit the old home. And the Germans government, there's some cool artists had the idea like 10 years ago to commemorate all the Jewish victims of the Holocaust with what they call stumble stones, uh, whatever in German. And it's these bronze plaques in in the sidewalk and have your name, date of birth, date of deportation and date date of murder. And in some neighborhoods, there's just like a ton of them. And it's like, you know, it's just, you know, overwhelming. And, and, And so in front of our house, it's like, you know, my great grandparents and, and my great aunt cousin and but just like you know being there and thinking about my granddad as a kid just playing in the streets and like you know just having this intense communion moment and then getting in the car and going around the corner and there's this like really nice park with like this wall and i'm like whoa you know what's all these trees and stuff and I'm like what's that and i get out and it's this graveyard like german graveyard not jewish just german graveyard and just having this feeling of like intense like pathos and like communion solidarity with their jewish brothers and sisters and like all of everybody and like not that many nazis were in here you know like not that matters but i mean it does but like just a lot of the germans were fucking victims like everyone you know just feeling like just this generational fucking tragedy and around the world and my wife's grew up in taipei and her dad was was like a baby on her grandmother's back fleeing Mao to, to Taiwan and just the massive fucking slaughter of a generation just feeling this like solidarity just so just having that experience and then in our camp so we did we took a picture of the stumble stones and it said you know anybody who's experiencing generational trauma you know our hearts are with you you know and, and hold space for you and for you to move through to the present moment of celebration and joy behind you know, just like a sweet, not too prominent, but, you know, just nice acknowledgement. So then Allie came by, like, I think it was Wednesday, and I was, like, dosed in already. It was, like, maybe an hour, and just, like, the sun's going down. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll come show you through. So I'm, like, taking it through. And so now I'm walking up on our situation, like, with her vision, you know, like, really seeing it as she is. And, like, whoa, you know, like, wow, you know, like, the association of, like, the gas chamber and whatever. But also just calm, too, you know, just in a calm. And then Dan is, like, up on the decks just kind of practicing, like, just warping some music. And sun's going down. And Demeter's, you know, Tree of Life is holding space. And Alex and Allison Gray were live painting, not currently, but they're star dancers. It's a 30-foot mural in our space. 
and I was a little confused. Like it was like dead, you know, how they do like kind of anatomical. So it's all these figures and dance and ecstatic dance in processing and just enter the space of just dance. And I'm fucking dancing with my ancestors, like, like all that trauma, they're all fucking with me. You know, I'm, I'm with them. Like, we're just fucking down. You know, there's not like, no, you're not some, you know, this is what we're doing. Like we're dancing with you. Like this, it was just this massive, you know, this experience of like, just like, whoa, you know, just processing that and not, in this heavy way or like i mean yeah it was heavy but now you know now it's a fucking party joyous not like party party like a calm like fucking kush deep sun shining you know like the star like just that thing about it being like the transformation from suffering into pain that's like held but it doesn't cause the suffering anymore it it reminds me i'm reading james p Carse's book finite and infinite games and like one of the things that stuck with me that i i just like keep thinking about talking about is how he talks about culture is an infinite game there's no winner you win by playing the game is the goal of the game is just to keep the game going yeah society is a finite game where there are winners and losers you know you get to a point and like the goal of the game is just to preserve this the history of the game is just to keep the people in power give the, you know they've earned it by the, through their sacrifice so we enshrine them in legend and myth and and we give you know they've earned their merits and we all agree that these merits mean something but the, what Kars was saying in that is that sus- the finite game of society is actually it's happening within the infinite game of culture that society is a culture that has forgotten that it is play. So it's like, it's taking itself really seriously. And so like the difference between cultural activity as a life enhancing, positive, everyone wins kind of thing and cultural activity as uh, you know, a life destroying thing where some people win at other people's expense is the seriousness with which people play the game. It's like if you think there's a finite game with winners and losers, that's what you're going to create. That's what you're going to reinforce. But as soon as you have that cosmic engagement, like as soon as you see society's role within the larger human story, like your society with its heroes and its history, and you, you zoom out, to the point where you can see that it's just one of many societies and that all of them are even just a t- you know bubbles within this larger foam of human cultural activity then suddenly like it's not about getting to this end point where we have replaced this shit with a utopia or whatever. It's just about constantly allowing your heart to break open and reveal some new depth that motivates you to participate in this even more enthusiastically. And like, that feels like the, the edge that we're dancing on here. Yeah, man. And uh, I was just flashing on Stapledon's account of the divine boy who like goes gets caught you know like just an amazing figure like a kind of prophetic figure who's like also very critical of his society but hike uh, you know he's clambering up in the mountains and gets caught in a storm and is going down and on one level he's like dude this fucking sucks big fucking balls you know but then he like goes out to the calm yet exultant standpoint of the star maker where, you know, a young lad of promise came to an unfortunate end, but somehow was still excellent within the wider spheres of the wider game and the cosmos. And like, 
and like and then somehow had now the power to like clamber out of the fucking snow situation and, and come back into the culture with this like like stop taking all this shit too serious it is a game but it is a serious game to play and you know but don't ruin it you know with fucking taking it too serious and like fucking up the game you know like but nonetheless it's like fucking life and death and deadly serious but it's also a dream and i don't know but yeah man <laughs> so like, this part links i think through to like i had one thing i really wanted to ask you about today and i think we can get there through the following segue okay so like i had an ayahuasca ceremony a few years ago where i was thinking about stars and specifically what like the habitable zone around a star which is like you know they call it the goldilocks zone where things are at the right temperature to support life you know and the chemical processes can all happen and there was originally uh, astronomers were looking for stars that were the same size roughly as our star around which to find earth-like worlds that might support life but they did the they redid the calculations and realized that a much larger star has a much larger habitable zone you know if you think about like a heat gradient coming off of the star that there's like that gradient is so much longer on a big one so so they're like actually our star it's like really bizarre that our star has a has a, a livable planet on it because it's so small and like the bigger the star is the more you could have like 20 earths in some of these red giant solar systems and i was like that revelation came to me at the same time that i was watching this guy puke and puke and puke his guts out on on ayahuasca just like going like just so much work this dude was like it felt like he was purging for everyone in the whole group and then at the end of like all of us were feeling really bad for this dude but then at the end of the ceremony the like beyond everybody yeah at the end of the ceremony the leaders of the ceremony turned on uh some like reggae and we got us all up to to move and dance and like move the energy around and that guy cut a fucking rug like that guy who was suffering the most or like processing the most (laughs) was like more liberated than all the rest of us at the end of it and i was thinking i was like there's a relationship here which is that like the wider your frame of reference the more energy you can move the more people you can serve the more you receive like the it's like the bigger you're like if you're able to like work open this tunnel and become a channel for greater and greater service you know your habitable zone is that much bigger and it it, it was like it was almost like a physical equation came to me where it's like if you want to succeed in this world serve the largest possible audience that you can you know find some way to improve the lives of the greatest number of people at once and i've and so there's like this through line here between i think like psychedelic healing and then like your work as a cosmic engagement officer and like activism and service and really specifically like what i've been thinking about uh recently because of this explosion of interest in cryptocurrencies and like watching people become affluent who thought that they had no hope for affluence and and so they're like locked into a system where they're just trying to make their own two ends meet so they don't even have the bandwidth to like think about how they're going to help people and i've been i've been thinking about this like 
there's like this surge of of financial energy into this system and yet like very few of us have a sort of like a grounding or a basis or like an education in how to manage wealth as an act of service you know so like I don't know. That's a that's a jewel of that's like a dodecahedron of ideas. But like basically, that thought of like, you know, that like stepping out into that wider framework and like that seems to be a big part of how you detach from the seriousness of your own life and like in, engage in what you just called life art, like life being a life artist in service. And I, I don't know. That's. And that's the uh, oh no, that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta let it flow, let it flow, and then you grow. You know, like you just like whatever you have, like you give, and then I mean, but being responsible so that you know you're taking care of your own health and your organizational health and your company health, but but not, but yeah. I mean, ultimately, we only prosper if everybody prospers, if all Earth prospers, and and I like that also, like kind of you know, within the game, I mean, it is real. I mean, there are stakes and we should struggle for the light and for more joy and, and freedom and, and, and for sure. And yeah, I mean, that's tough to teach and I'm fortunate that I was taught and somehow got it. And thank you, Anthony Jens for helping me see and kicking my ass and opening me up and like wanting to like, you know, I mean, one of my big foundational experiences was, uh, I was in a gay trans club in Amsterdam in 95 and that's when i got like died five different ways in the light <laughs> and uh you know and, and a big one wow man there's a lot in that one i don't know but uh kind of like i initially actually going having this ex- in kind of initial impression like i was still kind of i guess my, my homophobic whatever self but was having this anxiety reaction as like guys were coming up and dirty dancing me and whatever and like feeling getting into this like kind of rape fantasy of like oh i'm gonna get raped like you know i was on lsd and and mma and just like and and knowing okay that's not happening but then just kind of going with it just to i don't know and then there's other shit in my life that it like i just knew i was in like initiation space or whatever but like kind of like or not on in that kind of high knowledge but just knew on a subtle level it's like you go where you need to go so i'm going there and I'm like, okay, now this is happening. So what's the least karmic consequence for all involved? Like, how does everybody sin the least as we move through this? You know, and it's like, just surrender, dude. Just let it go, you know. And then, like, boom, just, like, die. You know, all of a sudden, heart blows open, fucking light. And, like, embraced by the goddess in the dark into the light and move through there. And, and that was my, you know, threshold. into. The, so now I'm like okay, well, good choice in your paranoid universe, dude, but that didn't happen. But anyways, God, I'm dancing right now. Rape is happening, fucking suffering and murder and the worst. Like, well, what's up? And just challenging. And then all of a sudden, I'm like nothing. I'm like just microscoped at nothing. And it's a self of everything doing to the self. It's just what it is. And there's no answer. You know, just like hush. And then seeing Jesus, like to the point, seeing Jesus with his back to me over there, not complaining about it, not trying to explain it, just stepping up and like, you know, whoa, yeah, crazy, but uh, how can I help? You know, like, how can I be of service? How can I rock it? And I'm like, whoa, I want to be like that. And then having like further massive, like just realizing my then girlfriend, now wife, just how jealous I'd been of her adventures in Asia and just all these erotic adventures she'd had and 
just how I like the project of caging her and like limiting her and just seeing that and in her soul force in compassion and arrows and like dude better you fucking die you know get the fuck out of the way what are you doing you know and like just dying away from her and seeing like there's like millions of like dark beings like on the light but now the light just explodes and embraces me and all is forgiven and all is just love and and then Helena, who's this gay guy I met earlier in the week and had a nice connect with, is cross-dressed in the club. And I'm like, I'm in this like hot, cold game with like the deep soul. And I'm like, well, I just got married to Chris forever, you know, so I don't got to deal with this dilemma. And, <laughs> you know, then it's like, wrong answer, dude. Like, you're back in the hole, you know? And like, I'm like, no, actually, why would you not get down with anybody who's coming down to embrace and get down, you know? And like, yeah, doosh, light blows open again. And so he, you know, for like years after, I mean, it took a long time to integrate that stuff. I was like borderline schizo, full-blown spiritual emergency. And now I have more access to it. And actually I've been recently thinking about that experience because earlier, like I'm definitely feeling like in a liminal transformational space and was, you know, realizing Persephone, you know, like the archetype of, you know, the demon Persephone myth that anchors the illusionian mystery. So Hades kidnaps Persephone and the rape of Persephone, it's all portrayed in art. But realizing, like, wait, she chose to go, you know? And, like, you know, I'm just like, who knows that? And I did all this, and I got this interesting set of books of, like, people who know on that level. Um, and that she is the queen of the underworld and chose to sacrifice and regenerate the world. And But that our soul, like, archetypally, the experience that it loses, that, that is, like, the numinous, when you resist, you know, it's a raping, you, you feel as rape, you know, until you surrender and, and go. And... Anyways, whatever. That but, that whole thing about the the rape of Persephone and that that being like a later addition to the story, and that it, earlier on it was a, a a matter of choice, I find is really fascinating because you know like on that the same blade where we have pain and suffering, or we have culture and society, you know, it's all about the limited identity, and I remember. You know, the difference way back in like 2008, the difference between my first and second DMT trip was the first time I had no idea what to expect and I went in completely open and and surrendered to it. But the second time I was like, oh, I think I know what's going on here. So I went in with like a programmer, an idea, uh, like questions, like an experiment. And the difference wasn't so much my curiosity or a directedness, I think, as it was that in order to hold a particular investigative attitude i did not allow myself to change in that experience and so like the part of me that was like trying to concentrate and focus in order to remain like to remain coherent was Mm -hmm. actually an obstruction and so like the healing intervention or like the angelic encounter of that first experience was rendered differently i felt like i was being sort of like encapsulated and kicked out of heaven by an immune system that was like so it was like instead of surgery it was violation and you know I had the sense that like the difference between heaven and hell is just like how hard you're trying you know that's like that's basically all it boils down to is like if you're gonna like roll out of a moving car 
you know, like in like like they do in the movies, then you got to be loose when you hit the ground. And like if well, you, wanna... you know, I had two two associations. The more relevant is Jacob's Ladder, and if you've seen Jacob's Ladder, you know it's basically a it's an amazing movie. And it took me a while to figure out. It's like you know, Tibetan Book of the Dead, Departo State kind of dying process, death trip. But the chiropractor is kind of this angel kind of figure who is the constant between his shifting worlds. And for people who don't know, I guess the he's a Vietnam vet. He's having all these flashbacks, but then he's just just very disturbing as he slips across. But at a certain point, the chiropractor says he's kind of explaining like what's really happening in a way. And he's like, when you're holding on, it's like demons ripping at you, but when you let go, it's like angels shrieking. You know, and there's this beautiful. You know, it's a hard movie, but it's so beautiful at the end if you see it correct. I mean, it's just so. Uh, but um, the other, yeah, anyways, that's the mostly, the, the other association was in my aboga, like just feeling like all the awesome fucking experiences. It's like a more traditional, like I said, Christian universe, like, but also like just all the awesome shit is here, like kind of up here, you know, and the one in the many, but like all your, you know, and then here's all the stupid, blame, bad, horrible, and just kind of like it just separates, like kind of like the beautiful smiles and sweetness and all those moments and, you know, and just like, all the moments and events of life. And I mean, I seriously had like, you know, my, my experience was so, I mean, I felt like this is just the experience people have and this is where the Christian cosmology came from. You know, it's like from this kind of experience where it's just all like, you're fucking going through a grueling judgment day of life, whatever review. And then just seeing like all the beautiful moments and all the fucking shitty moments. And then just how yeah, that all kind of separates and how it's almost trite, how like, this thing about it being like your external conditions can remain totally the same. And yet like, you know, you're sitting in the same room and somebody's going through hell. I mean, I went through what I would consider hell recently, you know, and it was like, I knew the whole time I was like, this is, this is in my head. And when you're in that space to like, yeah, touch back to like, <laughs> we we're talking about earlier about like the difference between like escapism versus engagement. It's like when I'm in that space, I feel like, okay, well, like I look around me and it, my whole life looks great, but it's not working. So maybe I should move, you know, like maybe I should break up with my partner. Maybe I should, you know, and mm-hmm. I get like the anxiety results in these like insane these insane decisions and like i'm old enough now to recognize that that thinking is like is nuts because it actually what what happened uh in this last case was like i got out of hell by just staying put by being like i'm not going anywhere i'm gonna hang out with this you know i'm gonna i'm i choose this you know and that's where it's like it's like the chinese finger trap like you have to go into it in order to let it release uh uh, man, or like the Stan Groff, like per- perinatal matrices, and you just you gotta like to stay with it. And in Jungian, like to stay in that dilemma, just stay in it, and you know, transcend it, just just let it alchemically cook till transformation happens. And you know what, though, it's to kind of like your comment. I mean, there's like the superficial like analysis, and then there's the deeper what's going on. And so I'm just trying to like not make too many radical decisions and understanding like you know things like holding position navigating through there's just a lot going on like i went through a real difficult year one year prior and there's like kind of karmic echoes of each kind of on a higher octave so not as difficult but still like powerful and 
I mean, it's been very transformational and, but uh yeah well i mean honestly a lot of this stuff you know i feel like most of 2017 people are like so how's it going i'm like i can't even tell you you know (laughs) it's just like there's so much going on that we've crossed over the threshold of it being communicable in language and it's just like it's better it's better to just like attend to it than to try and explain it sometimes you know yeah no totally so what do you hope for this what kind of a vision when you know you've you've got all of these projects and all of this this enthusiasm you know which clearly i feel like enthusiasm is like a symptom of having a vision for the world that you want so like what is it that you're working toward with all of this you know you've donated money to maps you talked about some other business stuff before the call you're excited about but like where do you see it all heading and like and how well, let's see. I mean, the two major passion projects are, uh, you know, psychedelics, integrating psychedelics and, and, you know, legally and building out clinics and getting to a world where, you know, what, you're 21 and you haven't, you're not experienced. Well, come on, you know. So, you know, obviously that's massively important for the healing of the world. And so, you know, the MAPS project is our, our primary focus, but, you know, there's the after and, and there's some efforts driving psilocybin, and of course, ayahuasca is on fire, and the plant traditions generally. Uh, ibogaine is massively important to, to integrate for the opiate addiction, and just in itself, another massive plant tradition and medicine, and all of them. So that's a number one passion project. But then regenerative organic agriculture, transitioning our you know, like industrial agriculture, like our, our chemical tillage intensive method of agriculture is just ripping fertility out of soil it's like a finite resource we're just ripping it out and um this is as all kinds of ecosystem catastrophe associated with how we grow these commodity crops most of which are animal feed and biofuel it's not even food and um working hard with allies in animal welfare space to promote like more plant-based dietary choice or, or and you know less and better meat if you're going to eat meat from pasture-based livestock operations, which you can farm with animals in a, in a regenerative fashion. If you look at a wild ecosystem, there is a sustainable balance of animal and plant life and how they interact. When we farm in nature's image, that can work and be sustainable. But right now we have our animal, all our food animals are in cages, 95% of them in factory farms. And this is horrific conditions, completely unsustainable. And so, it, you know, integrating into mixed livestock, pasture cropping, ag system, is crucial and that's just a major part like our supply chains like our coconut oil our olive oil our palm oil all come from you know very high level regenerative organic systems and we've been inspired by people doing that and in turn try and inspire that revolution yeah i guess just uh i guess that's primarily it you know trying to have a good time growing the company to be able to like you say like the more energy i mean we're reaching some really good levels of what we the energy and firepower we can throw in. Oh, well, here's another one. I mean, it's a little, I guess, real-time political stuff, but the 2018 Florida ballot is going to have a ballot to restore voting rights to former felons. So Florida is one of three states that denies felons the right to vote. And there's like a million and a half of them, and most of them people of color. And obviously, if we get a million and a half new registered, mostly Democratic voters in Florida, that's going to be very helpful to national policy and administrations and presidencies. And so that's going to be a huge fight. And we're not directly engaged, but contributing some firepower. Everyone's very excited. 
Dude, that's yeah. Because the last time we spoke, you were getting ready to do catharsis on the mall in, in Washington D.C. And I saw at, on Facebook at some point you were <laughs> saw you planting a hemp plant like in the lawn of like what was it the Capitol building or? Uh, but there's two of that. Like in 2009, we planted hemp seeds on the DEA's lawn <laughs> and it got arrested with with shovels saying that uh, American farmers shall grow hemp again and right reefer madness will be buried. So like when they confiscated, it was like putting a stake in the, the, the vampire heart. And then I actually got arrested in front of the White House in a cage harvesting hemp plants for their seeds and their nutritious <laughs> oil uh, and yelling at Obama to allow American farmers to grow hemp again. But catharsis. So and then we legalized cannabis in D.C. in 2014, like not personally, but we contributed most of the financial resources. And then Adam Eidinger is our director of social action and just a rock star in D.C., was campaign manager. So just a lot of, and then what's great about D.C. is whatever you're doing locally is, you know, the local media is talking to the national leadership. So obviously shifting cannabis policy and legalizing in D.C. is massive and, you know, 90% African-American and, and, and of course, the drug wars, racist to the core, you know, eight to one disparity of arrest rates between black and white people and, you know, similar use rates. I mean, it's just a total fucking social travesty. But anyway, so we, you know, so D.C. is just a real important spot to, you know, activate in. So anyway, so Catharsis in the Mall was born three years ago, um, MAPS and local burners um, and some other awesome forces basically made like a kind of a regional burn festival right on the National Mall around the memorial. Initially, like on Veterans Day and Veterans Day weekend to heal trauma. The first one was very explicit about healing the trauma of the drug war. And we had to burn a temple with a with a, with a cell, like a, like a human figure in a cell representing all the souls lost to the drug war, all the families shredded. And, um, but then dance through the night and it was beautiful. And it's incredible freedom to be doing this like right on the mall. And it's amazing testament to our activist partners in DC that we were able to do this. Actually, a funny story is that there was like a uh, kind of fundamentalist Christian vigil for like six months, this King David tent for like all these like 24 seven people praying and holding vigil to get this wayward nation, you know, back on the Christian path and, you know, coming over to check out our stuff and, you know, like crazy burner art and, you know, explaining, you know, hey, yeah, the drug wars were really fucking hard and terrible. And, you know, and they're like, well, have you heard of Jesus? And, you know, and, and I'm like, whoa, man, you have no idea what's about to hit, you know, and just had this like rocking party, you know, as they're like, <laughs> anyways, but, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, educated. And what's also really sweet is that, you know, Burning Man's is well in the middle of nowhere, but here we're interacting with all kinds of regular people. And then last year, you know, it was a healing from trauma. It was the theme, you know, kind of a MDMA, PTSD, veterans theme. And, um, of course, no one fucking saw it coming, but fucking Trump got elected. And, you know, so now there's a whole level, other level of trauma, like the Veterans Day is like immediately following Tuesday, Election Day. So that was this was really important, like just base in the city to operating and, and, and holding space for it, processing and releasing catharsis, you know, just really releasing trauma of the year. So then this year we did... I mean, mostly not me personally, but uh, the local activists and catharsis peeps did a um, still healing trauma, but it was particularly women's liberation focused. And what was it? Restoring man. I'm just blanking on the theme. Healing, you know, something about restoring balance and, and, and healing the world and just coming to center. So it was like this really healing, you know, in the zeitgeist, like really reflecting like all this rage and 
power that's just kind of emanating right now from women, like all these fucking men harassers, just like tumbling one after one, you know, there's this deep repression of the patriarchy that's, you know, an ongoing process, but we're going to, you know, it's speeding up and you can feel that in the LBGTQ and the women's liberation. And so the original centerpiece of the festival was going to be our evolution, which is this 45 foot tall, amazing image or sculpture of a woman in mountain pose, nude woman in mountain pose, just, and she was going to face the white house and, you know, it's going to be so super dope, you know, facing Trump in this moment and just holding space. But it got politicized. It got massive media and everyone's talking about it. And, you know, and it's total stupid double standard. I mean, some media were doing it right. But a lot were like, oh, how the naked lady is supposed to empower women and just stupid shit. Anyway, so our permit got yanked, you know, got all politicized. So then this rad lady in our world and the ladies in the world of catharsis came together and ma- and all pose hand over heart hand below heart in this beautiful pose and our artist friend marty kenny created this 27 foot tall mural of this goddess composite of all the ladies of catharsis and just like we built a scaffolding so we can do unpermitted 27 and a half feet tall so we did exactly that scaffolding is right in the middle of, of the washington mall with this like incredible goddess holding space and uh, Abraxas the Dragon, our car was was there blasting its next level sound system. And, and then for the burn this year, like we brought out a lot of, like we sponsor the MAPS camp. Like our, we're basically sponsoring Zendo. So Zendo does psychedelic harm reduction on Playa. And so that's what we do every year. And so this year our theme was gender liberation and psychedelics. So we had this rad installation of Nataraja, like uh, an artist in our world, Emma, um, I'm blanking on her last name, but Emma, but she does like next level paper mache sculpture. So Emma is dope and is going to keep creating awesome stuff for forever. Emma Hardy, just my, and my phone for the record. Emma Hardy. Emma Hardy is this rock star that um, created both. And then her, her assistant Jay created this amazing Nada Raja uh, uh, sculpture. So an eight foot tall, the incarnation of Shiva and in, in, in his Lord of Dance, their Lord of Dance, her Lord of Dance pose, uniting all all opposites in the fires of creation, the dance of creation, and it's bi-gendered, and it's kind of a symbol of Tao of self. It's a big symbol of, of all opposites reconciled, and and we were in the model was a Kijra, so it's the third gender of India, a transgender uh, societal gender recognized now, scorned but formally revered. Like in you know now it's like unfortunately mostly sex workers and but in past times were very much revered and so anyway so we had like so not a Raja holding space with like prayer flag bandanas different colors corresponding to different like we invited people to feel into how the gender binary fucking you know straight jacket just is like all these huge energies and all of us are just fucking like foot cultural foot binding you know when you think of like Chinese like oh they're so crazy look what they did to their women with their fucking foot binding and shit. It's like, this is what we're doing spiritually to ourselves. We're like, you know, in the male be female binary and just all of us are fucked up by it. So like, you know, just like talking to people about this and asking them to feel in the dimension of their stuff that have been repressed or unexpressed and pick a color bandana that corresponds to that. And, you know, let's just release that energy and start rocking and talking about it. And then coming into our foam dome. So where you get the you know, naked foam, you know, get all foamed up and then dance. But now everyone's got color bandanas. So that was extra awesome. <laughs> so we brought that out to the, to the, to the mall. So we had not a Raja holding space and just next level art. Oh, and because, I like I'm on the board of maps and replaced 
Ashana. So Ashana Haley is transgendered and MDMA helped her find her truth and rock her truth. And she left five and a half million bucks to Mass was honoring her in this moment. We gave five million, not the first. We're matching her. So we're just asking other people to match her. We're doing it. Come on, everybody. Let's do it. We need another 20 mil. And like, you know, and we're fast getting there. But it was honoring Ashana. And then also we honored Nick Sand. He like passed in Nick's, you know, of course, like Mystic Chemist. I didn't really know him, but all of a sudden, like, whoa, just watched uh, Sunshine Makers, like, you know, whoa, and just realized what a cat, mystical, Albert Hoffman level Mystic Chemist, and manufactured like a quarter billion hits of LSD and, and Orange Sunshine. And, but he had this rad account of a DMT experience where he just com- becomes a just full-on female belly dancer, temple guardian, love, bikini being, and just fully in this loveless like space as a woman. And then he's like coming down and, and he's like, am I her or am I a dude? You know, like he doesn't know, but if I die right now, it's fine. You know, like I just touched it. I've touched source. And this is a beautiful account of this complete like, but um, but Nick and his vision and power and, and, and his presence. But w- but with that too, you know, just like saying like, hey, here's like one of our fucking godfathers, you know, laying it down. Like let's liberate, you know. And this is like a huge part. I mean, of what psychedelics can do. I mean, liberation in all every direction. And a lot of us, you know, myself, you know, I'm like 20% girl, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like our transgender you know, brothers and sisters, you know, I've, I've had to fucking rock their truth in a much more difficult way, whereas I gave a pass, you know, but like, there's a real cost of passing and all of us pass, you know, and like, just like, fuck, no, just, you know, we need to change this world and celebrating our brothers and sisters doing it. We had a map of the world of like the 150 cultures that aren't us that recognize more than two genders and, you know like just really cool stuff and then like stonewall riots like call out and all the giants were standing on and so it was really cool installation and muddy ariel and her her his their camp gender blender which is dope um and honoring kind of sisters and yeah it was, it was super extra special so anyways we brought a lot of that installation and infrastructure out to the mall and you know just rock that and it was, it was super awesome that whole so, thing about uh being trapped in the binary uh, I saw Martine Rothblatt. Martine Rothblatt uh, founded Digital Television when she was a man, and then she had a sex change, and now she's the richest woman in the world, I guess, or like the, the richest female CEO. And she wrote a book about how the gender binary is apartheid. And I was like, that's, you know, as, as one of my earliest memories is being denied the opportunity to learn how to tie my shoes by these girls in preschool who decided they were only going to teach other girls how to tie their shoes and like yeah and and just and being like that's that's it's bullshit clearly clearly it's bullshit so i mean it's just you get you break out of that finite game of there's going to be a winner and a loser and the pendulum has to swing back to like women ruling the world and it's like um so we're just going to go from one system that you know marginalizes everyone outside of this imaginary binary to another one that gives these people you know that those people in India they still have to be you know living in the in the gutter doing the jobs no one wants anyway i'm impressed is the point i'm impressed with political engagement as as a life art as a pastime no, absolutely, man. That's it. I mean, it's life act. I mean, that's what we're realizing for the burn. Like, we're spending a lot of resources, so we need to bring a more kind of edgy activist element to it. And uh, 
and to that point of like a part, I mean, the patriarchy oppresses men as much as women. Well, obviously women weigh more and fuck horribly here, but we're fucked up too by, you know, and, you know, don't be gay, don't be girly, you know, all the ways that we're like socialized early to like deny and repress and don't wear pink or fucking fabulous shit generally. And I'm talking like we as in more straight identified cis male. Right. But yeah, right, of course, you know, women are not like without flaws. And I don't mean to erect a matriarchy or this patriarchy. A lot of people fucking way better. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, let it swing that way and then we'll meet in the middle later. Yeah. yeah. Or there's there's another dimension. We could be yeah. swinging around and not just back and forth, right? You know? Yeah. Could be rolling it together. Be a big smoothie, my friend. I'm going to ketamine smoothie. Gender, gender blender, yeah. Dude, this is super cool. We're, we've passed an hour out of respect for your time because, you know, you're running a major operation over there. I want to give you an opportunity before we sign off on this chat to, at the end of most of these, I, I ask if this is going to be dug up out of a hard drive that somebody finds like planet of the apes style like countless years from now these people are really curious about what it was like to be alive right now and that's why they're listening to this podcast so like imagining that you actually have a message to offer people that aren't born yet that you'll never get to meet what would you say what would you ask what do you hope that you're able to transmit down the ages to these folks toilet paper hoard toilet paper no, that's actually a fine. I forgot the show, and you know, like in the apocalypse, you know, <laughs> that's like the message back. Like, <laughs> tell them, hoard toilet paper. <laughs> no, well, uh, so I'm talking to the future. Oh yeah. Okay, the future. Yeah. Well, um, you know, rock it hard. You know, uh, struggle, sing, dance, play till we're all one. You know, you got to struggle for fucking shit, struggle for freedom, but live life fully and try to feel the flow and the Tao and your intuitions and let that I'm talking to myself now actually uh, yeah I think most of us do that I think it's an, that's why it's an interesting exercise <laughs> yeah so you know just try to keep, be, be more in tune with the deeper currents the, the, they're, they're there all the time you know and just yeah spending more time in flow versus off center easier said than none but yeah right on dude David, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Right on. Thank you, Michael. Beautiful. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Future Fossils is part of the MindPod network, along with Third Eye Drops, The Astral Hustle, Synchronicity Podcast, and an oodle of other fascinating programs. I encourage you to go to mindpodnetwork.com and subscribe to them all. And stay tuned, because we have some awesome episodes coming up on Future Fossils, including science fiction professor Barry Vacker, futurist journalist George Dvorsky, media theorist Douglas Rushkoff, visionary artist Archon Nair, and many more. So stick around and have a most excellent eon. 